Hi, welcome to this episode of Author Eke. I'm Travis Davis, your host. Tell us your story. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Author Eke. Today, I have Steve Stratton, who uh, has an amazing resume. I've talked to a lot of authors, but the insights that he has when he writes his books and uh, how he puts everything, because he's Heck, he's been there. <laughs> so he's sitting in the room. You know, how many can say that and make it fiction? Because it sounds too real. So, Steve, go ahead, introduce yourself, and uh, let's kind of talk about stuff. Talk about your books and you and everything. Awesome. Thanks for having me, Travis. Appreciate it. Yeah, my name's Steve Stratton. Um, I, uh, I have one of those kind of resumes where it's like, I wonder if he's going to just stay and do one thing for a little while or if he's going to continue to bounce around like he's got <laughs> ADD for life. But uh, yeah, I uh, uh, I joined the Army and I was headed to Fort Lewis. I wanted to be a radio operator, do something simple up at, up at Fort mm-hmm. Lewis. I, I grew up in the Redwoods in Northern California, so I wanted to stay in the Pacific Northwest my dad grew up outside of Fort Lewis, uh, family there, stuff like that. So I thought that'd be cool. And so actually the army sent me the other way down to Fort Ord Monterey for basic training. Oh my goodness. And, yeah. Yeah. It's a tough, tough spot, Monterey. <laughs> and, uh, uh, but, uh, they, the DIs all shuffled us into the theater one day and these guys showed up in civilian clothes and longer hair like mine, you know, uh-huh. not, you know, of course we're all buzz cut recruits right and uh they started talking about worldwide travel and we can't tell you much about the job but it'll be in dc and i just kept raising my hand and that's one of the other funny things about my story is that my raising my hand and volunteering has always worked out for me um not that i haven't had to do some crummy (laughs) things for a little bit mine hasn't yeah (laughs) everybody has a different story right i mean anyway so uh, yeah, it turned out um, that it was uh, a unit called White House Communications Agency that not a lot of people know about, mm-hmm. and and it's under um, the Defense Information Systems Agency, and it supports the president, the vice president. Uh, back then, we supported Kissinger with communications, and um, when you see the uh, uh, like on travel, when you see the podium and the presidential seal. Mm-hmm. That's Waka people that put that up. They do all the audiovisual around the house, or the White House and other places. Um, not that TV crews aren't there, but they're doing things, you know, recording for, you know, the National Archives, stuff like that. And so uh, I went from, you know, being a radio operator. They sent me through all these electronic schools down through Fort Sill of all places, the artillery school. There. Oh, yeah. Lot in Oklahoma. <laughs> Beautiful. Oh, yeah. Snakes are almost <laughs> as big as Florida. Uh, but uh, f- yeah, Fort Sill, then to Fort Gordon to the signal school. Been there. And, yeah. And <laughs> Fort Gordon's not bad, though, because you've got a real nice lake. You've got for recreation, you've got downtown. And at that mm-hmm. time, the Almond Brothers, this is how old I am, the Almond Brothers had a bar downtown. Oh, wow. Catch, catch them in town occasionally, you know. 
I, I could afford to go to their bar once a month and, and the rest of the time I'd eat crystal. Then you'd crystal, be broke. Crystal I, I, burgers, I, I, right? <laughs> I have to eat the chow hall and get a bag of crystal burgers. That, that is the private life. <laughs> private life. Exactly. And, uh, yeah. So after that, I, I got to, to DC and my sponsor picked me up and, and, uh, this is, uh, 74 and uh, as we're driving in to where the location was my first duty station we drive by we drive by this place he goes you know what that is and i'm like is that the watergate he's like yeah don't go there (laughs) 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 don't go to the Watergate. you can check in but you can never leave (laughs) right right don't don't go talk to anybody any any weirdo cia guys over at the the, uh, ihop next door right yeah howard johnson so my first duty station was in Georgetown at the corner of Wisconsin M, right in the party district in Georgetown, mm-hmm. uh, you know, adjacent, right adjacent to Washington, D.C. there. And uh, civilian clothes and, and not, not, not buzz cut. So what was your per I, diem? Like uh, 25 bucks a month? <laughs> <laughs> I got a thousand dollar clothing allowance. Uh, oh, when wow. I got there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So I went all out. I went to Jacques Penet, oh, you know, got you the go. reversible vest, you know. Yeah. I got pictures at the brown tie and a check shirt. I mean, it's bad. It's really <laughs> Leisure bad. Leisure suit, man. You had to be sporting oh. it. <laughs> That's another story. One time a guy, a staff sergeant, wore a leisure suit to work at the White House. He promptly got sent home. <laughs> he, they thought he was like, an intern. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Anyway. But, uh, yeah, so I started traveling uh, the world with like the Secret Service advanced teams mm-hmm. and and putting up uh, radio systems to support them mainly and right. the the administrative staff because right there's a huge gaggle of people. It's just not Air Force One. It's oh, Air no. Force One plus a couple other planes, a C seventeen with the Waka gear, all the comms gear and stuff like that from mm-hmm. back in the day. So that was a that was a I thought the I thought the military was pretty fun. I'm living on max per diem, you know, and having a good time traveling the world. My first yep. trip outside the United States was uh, Paris to New Delhi to Dhaka, Bangladesh. And oh wow! I grew up reading my aunt and uncles like National Geographic, mm-hmm. and now here I am in some of these places. Oh yeah! Of course, I'm also experiencing the the real, um, you know. Uh, the real uh, culture in these countries mm-hmm. and, and, you know, Bangladesh can look beautiful and it can also look desolate and really poor. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. So uh, that was a, that was a good four and a half years. And since I was supporting the secret service every, almost every day, uh, everything from walkie talkies to big base station radio systems and stuff, um, then switching over to the secret service, all I had to do was take the, the, uh, civil servants test, mm-hmm. which I just sort of blew off and failed. I was so oh. embarrassed. <laughs> like, I'm not even, yeah, I'm not even smart enough. So I had to like pay attention next time I took the test and I passed <laughs> it. But I was embarrassed as so I'll get out. And uh, the the Secret Service they first wanted me to do electronic countermeasures and and sweep rooms for bugs and things like that. But then after I took the test again, they're like, well, maybe he should just do alarms and video, you know, something more physical <laughs> since, since the give him, an, give him an Atari. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're, um, yeah, we, um, 
it was only it was only when I was leaving the Secret Service in 1980 that mm-hmm. we were having our first computer project, and it was a, a midframe. It wasn't there was right 1980. Oh, there's yeah. no laptops or anything like that. But so everything was still pretty physical with the alarms mm-hmm. and video. But traveling tra- when as I traveled with the Secret Service, now my job became bringing in EOD teams to sweep routes, to sweep buildings, to look at elevators. Right. So you know mm-hmm. countermeasures. Make sure wherever the president or the vice president is going, that it's secure. Uh, it even included during the 80 campaign year, like putting an alarm system in uh, Senator Kennedy's house while he along the Potomac while he was running. And then after um, uh, Reagan and Bush won the election, I, I got to go down to Houston, meet the Bushes, mm-hmm. put an alarm system in their house, things like that to support the Secret Service crew that was working working with them at the time. So it was a lot of fun. Um, after I left the Secret Service, I uh, actually joined the Reserves, a Special Forces Reserve unit out of Fort Meade, mm-hmm. uh, and then uh, eventually moved to Florida and joined the unit down there. And so uh, I ended up in 20th Special Forces, a nas- one of the two remaining National Guard mm-hmm. uh, Special Forces groups. And uh, that's where uh, my introduction into South America, we got switched from supporting 10th Group down to 7th Group in South America. And uh, that's where I got my introduction into Ecuador, Colombia, Chile, Peru. And, huh. and and training and stuff like right. that. So I've really never been, it's funny, my career, I was really never in a traditional unit. Mm-hmm. I was never in a tr- traditional signal company. Um, you know, I was always doing something different, something weird, right. uh, more small team oriented. And mm-hmm. that's, that's the way I think. And you can see it in my books. Uh, the, uh, uh, we had a, incident in our family with the cartel uh in in northern mexico mm-hmm. at the tip of baja um and um that became the inciting incident for my first book uh which is called shadow tear mm-hmm. and it's a it's a very much it's like a it's like a terminal list kind of book except Lance right. doesn't exactly run around with a list like like james reese right uh, but it's very much in that that vein. It's a book about mm-hmm. revenge, and uh, but it's all about the Sinaloa cartel because okay, I still had some pent up energy. Let's say <laughs> you had to get it out. <laughs> exactly, exactly. My my yeah. Uh, so um, that that book um, sets the stage. So Shadow Tear is actually uh, the way I put uh, arrange it in the book is actually National Guard and Reservists. Huh. There's not enough when 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 SOCOM, a certain colonel in SOCOM figures out what Lance and his buddies are doing by surreptitially right, doing a, a counter drug mission on the border, but right. not staying on our side. Right. right. When he figures that kind of thing out, then he's like, you know, hey, look, we can either send him to Leavenworth for the long course, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right? Have break rocks at Leavenworth or yep. We can create this unit and have them be totally focused on the drug war, and that frees up CAG mm-hmm. and Six and other people to to do counterterrorism. Okay, 
Yeah, the first inter- my first introduction with special forces was uh, Fort Riley, nineteen seventy seven, and we did uh, we had to support the ROTC summer camp. Hmm. So the special forces guys came in for the uh, for the uh, some of the land ab, but mainly on uh, living in the wild, right? Mm-hmm. And I remember we had this big old chicken pen, and the ROTC candidates had to go out and get a chicken, and there was a rabbit or two. So I remember uh, one female cadet went out and got the rabbit because they didn't know what they were going to do with it. So all day she carried this rabbit, they you know, <laughs> loved it and everything, and special forces guys were being real nice and everything. And I, I started talking to them, and I and these guys uh, had just gotten back from uh, Central South America. The Sandinistas, you know, all that stuff back then. And he had this long fingernail. Like, what is that for? <laughs> he goes, oh, yeah, we said, no. I said, okay, never mind. I don't want to know. So at the end of the day, um, they gave everybody a coffee can, t- coffee tin cup, right? One of these ones you put coffee in and vegetables. And then they told everybody, you will commence to kill the chicken. So I learned how to kill chicken. You just put it on its thing, draw a line out in front of it, and it won't move. Yeah, and, and then, but the one with the rabbit, that was hard for her because <laughs> <laughs> you didn't pass a course, right? You had to, you know, kill the rabbit and then cook it and then eat it. And some guy got a rooster because he thought, "Oh, this is going to be good." That was the man. You can make a shoe out of that thing. Oh. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly that's right out of special forces first phase training. Yeah, uh, way way before you go to Robin Sage and stuff like that, but. Uh, at, in, in special forces training, you get a, you get a chicken, a, a rabbit, you get some, like a, a carrot, a, a yep, onion, a potato and an onion, you get yeah. the number 10 tin can, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. The classic number 10 can and yep. a rattlesnake. And so it's funny because even in special forces training, you got all these guys who most at, at my time in the eighties, when I, when I was awarded my Green Beret, uh, uh, most pe- most guys were second enlistment kind of people, right? They, right. they weren't taking x-rays, the people, you know, brand new off the street kind of idea right. at that time. And, uh, but still some of these guys didn't know how to do any of that, right? And then yeah. they're like, I got this gunny sack with a rattle, a pissed off rattlesnake in it. What am I going to do? And so they're making all this Robinson Caruso, put it over the fire on the stick and stuff like that. I'm like, dudes, no, 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 no. We're, we're going to take this all and we're going to chop it up and make stew because yeah. we need that. We need the fluid anyway. And those guys right. had some of the toughest meat, <laughs> toughest rabbit, toughest birds because they were just like drying it out over the fire essentially. Oh, yeah. yeah, I think but the yeah, best. That's, yeah, I think the best reptile course I ever went to was I had a. I was in an arrow rifle platoon in the. Uh, and a uh, with Yui, this guy's right out of Vietnam. It's 77. Nice. And we had a brand new lieutenant, infantry guy, just got out of ranger school. So what did he do? He volunteered our platoon to go down to uh, Florida, auxiliary field strip six or nine, up with one of those two, and say we're going to be the ranger. Yeah. are going to be yeah Herbert, and we're going to be the aggressors for the rangers for thirty days on their that jungle phase. Yeah, yeah. And we're like, okay, you know, it sounds fun. It's November. And uh, <laughs> it, 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 that yellow river gets cold. And so and he said, we're going to do everything the Rangers do, except, uh, you know, jump out of airplanes. So of course you get the, uh, the new pilots or the kit, the guys that are in flight school come out and do the repelling. And then you got the guy, you know, trying to get them up to the right height. Cause you only got about 50 to hundred feet. 
all of a sudden you start, you know, bounding out and the guy lifts up a little bit. By the time you get to the end, you're like 10 feet off the ground. You go, oh, but that's, that's going to hurt that guy. <laughs> <laughs> and then you went to a reptile course and it was amazing. Yeah. Um, you know, pygmy rattler and the rattle and the coral. <laughs> but I remember there at, at the, at the, at the Quonset huts and everything, they had a big old alligator in a cage. I don't know. How, this thing had was huge and they, it was just, I guess a pet or something, but they kept it in a big old cage, but you know, you're 18 years old. You don't care. I mean, you're like, eh, I'm invincible, but that yellow river gets cold and you see the little cat eyes on the back of the hat. All of a sudden you whap, splash. <laughs> I can sink into a hole. I have more. I have more marks on my shins oh, yeah. from, from cypress stumps that are hidden under the water. Yep. Because up north, up north in Ocala, most people don't realize it, but in Ocala near University of Florida, um, they act. They were they they started a cross um, Florida canal system, just like Panama. Yeah. Um, and uh, we used it for training and stuff like that. But of course, every time we get into the national forest, of course, you go from pine trees and sand right into the cypress swamp. You know, yep. you know, chest high, yep. yeehaw! Now we're having fun. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, that I, I've had so much fun in Florida training other people. Like SAS, we would do these exchanges with them, and this SAS guy comes up and goes, "Hey, mate, what's this cute little you know snake? You know." And I'm like, it's a pygmy rattler. He's going to put you down. I got nothing. Yeah, yeah they got a lot of venom in them. They're, they're very yeah. concentrated venom. Yeah, you need to put that guy down because he's going to put you down if he nibbles on you. Oh, um, oh man. Yeah, big spiders. And and uh, one time at Ranger School, we were doing aggressing. And uh, it might have, I think it was the end of October, early November. Mm-hmm. And it got down to 20 degrees. And I was the only guy with my medium sleeping bag. I was I was the one happy camper. Everybody yeah. else was in the pit around the fire all night, waiting with for their, the uh, students to poncho come in. Poncho liner day. with their poncho liner. <laughs> with their poncho liner, exactly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that was so, great. I remember one morning we say, "Okay, we're gonna." This is part of the last phase of the of the jungle phase, and they had to attack Santa Rosa Island. So my lieutenant go, "Well, we're gonna go out there on RB 15s up, you know, because we already went up the Yellow River and had." I don't know how much water we pulled out of those things so we wouldn't sink. So he says, we're going to go from here and we're going to, you know, paddle across and get on there. And it was, it was early. I mean, it was dark, like, like two or three o'clock in the morning. So we're out there on RB 15s or paddle. All we hear is this, there's this big old boat. I swear that RB 15 took off like this and we paddled like we were in a cartoon. <laughs> <laughs> Then we get there, and we always kept pogey bait in our uh, in the in the fatigues and BDUs or whatever. And you know the rangers shoot you or whatever, and you're down and you go, hey, you know, bottom pocket. <laughs> so they take the pogey bait. They love. I mean, they would treat you really nice then because they they get a little pogey bait. <laughs> yeah, I've seen I've seen students walk in and we would carry the like the miniature Snickers and they just. Mm-hmm. Don't unwrap it at all. Just put the whole thing in their mouth and eat it. <laughs> <laughs> they want the paper and all. <laughs> so tell us, so how did you get into writing? I mean, you, you've got some great stories and life experience. So how did you, what decided to go and put pen to paper or thought to thought to paper? Yeah, I, um, well, the, the, the first, the first book, Shadow Tear, I had uh, done things like I had done Gantt charts, flow chart of how I thought the book should go. I had done. Man, you're a lot uh, like me. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I have that project project manager yeah. kind of mindset. Yeah. And then um, I even did storyboards, which are the kind of things they use in Hollywood to say, here's a picture. And then, you know, I Skywalker, mind map it. I yes, mind map it. Yeah. Skywalker does that, you know, yeah. blah, blah, blah. I did PowerPoint and just did pictures that I grabbed off the internet of all the shitty things the Sinaloa cartel was doing, right? Uh-huh. Stuff like that. And then uh, it was like the uh, between uh, Thanksgiving and Christmas. And my wife's like, why don't you just write? You've got it in your head. Just write. Don't worry about if it's good or bad. Just write the story. Mm-hmm. I thought, okay. So I start banging away every morning, get up at 430, you know, and, and I'm, I'm out here and we're out here in Denver. So, you know, my crew who's back in Virginia near Dallas airport is waking up or, you know, so I got it. I got like from four to six before my crew wakes up. So I I just started writing and then I started looking around. It's like, okay, I'm going to write this. I had no thoughts of publishing it, but I was like, I should learn a little bit about writing because I did not pay a lot of attention to Miss Price in English class. Right uh, I definitely didn't. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And, and some of the, some of the writing aids I use nowadays actually still remind me of that. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> the, uh, uh, and so I started putting it down on paper. Then I happened to come across this ment- paid mentorship with Jerry Jenkins who lives in the Black Forest near uh, about an hour away in Colorado Springs. Jerry Jenkins uh, helped write that Christian Left Behind series, 21 mm-hmm. time best New York bestseller kind of person. I thought, well, okay. And we would submit every, I forget if it was weekly or bi-weekly, we would submit and he would edit our work. And I'd be so happy if he only chopped like 20% of my words, you know? Right, right. <laughs> you know, and... Uh, that's how I got started. And then I started looking around and connecting with other people, right? Trying to build a, a team, a tribe, mm-hmm. a crew, and got hooked up through, you know, uh, ITW. And then when I got the book done, started looking for editors, then, then uh, what's this whole query process and mm-hmm. looking for a publisher and stuff like that. And, uh, one of the most influential people to help me and give me my early thoughts on how I should approach this idea of getting my book published was actually Jeff Wilson of Andrew and Wilson. Mm-hmm. I reached out to him. He was very nice. He's like, look, we're trying to be in all these different um, modes of publication, you know, full up big Putnam, you know, Simon yeah. and Schuster kind of thing, smaller publishers, self-published, mm-hmm. all this kind of stuff. And it's like, okay. And he's like, so when when I got interest back from Force Poseidon, um, who published published my first book last year on mm-hmm. Army Day, June fourteenth, and then my, yeah, my second book published uh, August thirtieth, this last August thirtieth, uh, not Navy Day, no, 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 no. <laughs> short, short, short aside. My whole family's Navy and Merchant Marines, so when I joined the Army, they're like. You know, you're done. We, Mine was out. all Air Force. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Nice. Um, anyway, so uh, <clears throat> he was very instrumental in that. And it's like, well, hey, you know, if you, get an, if you get an opportunity, go ahead with small publisher and just continue to write, continue to learn. You can always do a different series, whatever. Right. You, can, you can always look at different things. And so to my surprise, I got a, 
a one book with two option kind of deal. And I actually got, I could say I'm traditionally published and I got an advance in mm-hmm. full nine yards. It was amazing. And uh, my publisher told me, by the way, I'm really backed up here. It's going to be potentially a year before I can publish your book. I'm like, no worries. I'll just keep writing. So I kept writing and my I just recently went back to those two books and worked on them because my skill hadn't gone very far, right? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> In six, eight months. And so so I had to go back to those books and go, whoa, let's let's add some things people expect yeah. here. Yeah. Um, so I actually have two published books in the Lance Bear Wolf series. That's my mm-hmm. protagonist. He's uh, a Crow Indian native. Uh, I wanted somebody different with a slightly different mindset. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've got four books, two published and two that are waiting. And then I've actually started another series. So once I started writing, it uh-huh. just became this thing I love to do, right. storytelling right, and, and uh, stuff like that. So yeah, I've got two published. I'm writing my third. It's the same. The protagonist is more of a team uh, that formed out of individuals that had had some common work experience. But the, after the after the mission, they go, well, the president said, you guys are fantastic working together. You have a good mindset. And you bring in a Chinese spy that actually turned on the Chinese. And she's a, a genius, but she has a photographic memory, but is more than that. So she's part of the team. Nice. Um, and I just kind of carry the team forward. Then last book, I introduced a CIA agent who is uh, actually, she is a graduate of the CIA Culinary Institute of America. So she is a, <laughs> she is a world-class chef, but she's also a CIA agent. So they call her CIA squared. <laughs> and her method of uh, killing is food, but there's no trace of, or she can either kill you or incapacitate you. And there's no trace of it in your body. That's so. interesting. My <laughs> wife teaches cooking. We have 1,600 oh. <laughs> cookbooks outside the room that I write from. So I've got this books behind me. Uh-huh. And you've got a couple hundred. She's got 1,600 cookbooks. Oh, my. So that's, that's really funny. So Wow. Uh, yeah. So where did you get the idea about your team? Because I have uh, being – I'm 69. Uh-huh. So I'm, I'm 64. Know, okay. So so Doc Savage, remember his team? Mm-hmm. Oh, Yeah. Yeah, so so that that was in my head. Of course, Clancy was a big, yep. uh, you know. And my second book, there's actually uh, a lot of people read it and go, "Oh, there's some Rainbow Six in here," kind of stuff. So, yep, how yep. about you? Where did you get your? Well, I've, I've always, you know, in the army, I was enlisted, right? I retired yep. at E seven, Scout Platoon Sergeant. Uh, so I, I like the individual, but I like the team cohort kind of thing. So, you know, the 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 kind of the leader of the team, Tex a little older, um, more measured. They got a couple young folks, right? They're, they're geospatial imagery analysts, but one worked for the CIA, one worked in the army with special forces and got all this kind of training. And they, they just mesh together because they complement each other. Uh, Kim is very intelligent, but she's methodical, right? Tex is a kind of leader and he's, uh, a manager, but he's very good, right? He's worked with the CIA. He went to the Sochi Olympics with uh, the Vance team, right, to make sure everything was great. So it played into the good book. And then Will is more intelligent than people think he is, but he is a cut up, hmm. right? So he lightens the mood. 
Lucy worked in a uh, secret cyber unit in China. Part of and the MSS, yeah. Yeah, she is, but she's a, a genius. I mean, just very smart. And her her, cap, her capability of recall is amazing. But uh, in the first book, you find out that, you know, she says, you know, I want to make my uncle proud. And she's looking at the wall of, you know, Mao Zedong and all the other presidents of China. But who's she really talking about? I want to make my uncle proud. <laughs> and so they formed a team. And, and the team is called Team Texarkana. Because uh, Texas, not from Texas, he's from Arkansas. Will is from Texas. Uh, Kim and Will become a, a, an item. And uh, Lucy knows the Cowboys because the America's team. <laughs> so they come up with a team, Texarkana, because it's Texas and Arkansas. So nice. That's what they call it. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. And they kind of get together. I, I, I too have a team. So the first book, it's Lance. But Lance mm-hmm. knows because he's he Lance. I'm actually writing a prequel now, starting. Oh, when nice. Lance was 14. So Lance has Lance has gone got gotten to the Rangers like he wasn't even in the army a year, and he went to Grenada. So oh wow, Lance is in Rangers, and in the prequel, he's just met Gus Morgan, a seventh uh, group medic who is actually in Salvador. And he's based on a real teammate of mine who was there, things like uh-huh. that. So, and that's some of the, of course, the things we can bring, right? Is, you know, when we've interacted with SF or agency or Rangers yeah. or other folks, you know, things yeah. like that. Um, but it is, it is shadow tier is teams and it has squadrons and, um, um, you know, assaulters and then all the supporters, the EOD and the techs and other people like that. And I like, I've always, yeah been a team guy right i used to go when it was like on vice presidential trips it'd be two of us when it was presidential mm-hmm. trips it'd be 25 of us and yeah. it was team it's always team right teams right. better than than individual but uh, yeah it, i like that i like the team aspect and i've i've, I've noodled with a book because I, what i did in the army some of the time a lot of times is i would patrol the east west german border that was my that was you know third acr second acr or third uh Three seven cab and second ACR, third ID and a check border, and so I think well, I would love to do a book about that period, right? What actually happened on the Iron Curtain? What happened that people would never suspect of? You know, you you you're on patrol and you find a, a East German uniform on the western side of the border. You're like. What's going on here? This industrial espionage, right? Uh, so I thought about writing a book about that because I think it'd be interesting to take it from the perspective of somebody who had, uh, you know, done that for years and understands things because we're getting back in that mindset uh, right. of what we're doing now. Oh, that's interesting. You were there when there were dancing helicopters, and uh, oh my god, I got pictures. I got stories. I got pictures. And part of the time, <laughs> I was the uh, operations sergeant for the border camp at, at uh, Coburg, Germany, Camp Harris. And I would always get the intel reports, right? I'd read them, figure out what's going on. And one day, you know, oh, there's hot summer. And uh, there's a citrus shortage in East Germany. So what do I do? I go buy oranges. So, <laughs> and I go on the border where they're fixing the fence. And people think, oh, the fence was the border. 
if you touched the fence, you were about 10 meters inside East Germany. You were not, right. that was not good. So they had, in Bavaria, they have the uh, blue and white poles every 18 meters or something. Then you have the traditional, uh, you know, East German uh, border signs. So I would, I knew where they were building, fixing the fence or doing whatever. And on this side of the fence, like five feet from us, it'd be the Grenzhofklaff. These are the special border police, patrol yeah. army. So I'd always pull my little Jeep up and I would have a Coke and oranges and <laughs> I would have music playing and I would eat it and drink in front of them. <laughs> it's off, man. That's yeah, awesome. they would just take pictures of me all day long and I took pictures of them and, you know, I'd leave an orange or two where they could, you know, grab it on my side, but they just reach around. So, you know, it was, it was all, it was a cat and mouse. But it was serious business because, I mean, and, and, and the Germans then, they had the Zoll, which is their uh, custom police. And these guys wore like capes. And they were all, they were individual. There's only one of them, but they had a dog. And these dogs were, when they were with, the, with them, they were fantastic. But the thing was, they said, if you ever come across a Zoll and he's incapacitated before you help him, you got to do something with that dog because that dog will attack you because they're very loyal to it. And it's, it's those stories that you can put into something kind of cool. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so when we we did war planning, you know, for the Third World War, you know, when the Russians oh, yeah. were going to come for, through Fulda and stuff like that. So the Fulda gap. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I was in the intel section and uh, hadn't had any intel training, but I'm like, Okay, here's a black and white picture of a brand new T seventy two. It's like, yep. but what's the scale for that thing? And and my buddy's like, <laughs> see the dude over there, see what he's holding on to, and these agents would get pictures of of technology, mm-hmm. and they'd be holding a box, and we knew that that box they were holding was six by six by six. So it gave scale to everything. Right. Plus right. you knew the height of your agent yes. and that would help you give scale. And so this old school technique, almost like, you know, chalk for the dead drop kind of stuff <laughs> that was back then because, you know, we just didn't have all that, this NGA. Yeah, the slide did, ruler. Yeah, the slide ruler. Okay. Right. NGA didn't exist. Right. We didn't have, we didn't have this comprehensive digital scan of the world where NGA could put all your intel on it. So all these kind of old school kind of things. Sometimes I incorporate it. I drop one of those into a book or something like that. So, yeah, yeah. But my first book, uh, Flames of Deception, I actually dedicated to the NGA and the geospatial uh, analyst, uh, intelligence analyst, uh, because I just find it fascinating. And I come up with technology. You know, one of the things like Toth, which is the god of knowledge, in Egypt, but that's actually satellite and software that I created. This is crazy stuff, but yeah. So, so you got, so you're writing two more books at the same time. Well, I, yeah, I had those, I had those other two books, mm-hmm. one, which was, it's funny. Cause I thought the second shadow tier book would be a bioweapons book very much. Once again, I, I read some of the same books for research that Jack Carr did. It's yep. sort of funny how we do that, but, um, but it was like a Russian bioscientist taking revenge on Lance. And my publisher's like, ah, you can't have a revenge book. Then somebody take revenge again. <laughs> put something in the middle, you know? Yeah, yeah. So I've got a, re- I've got, I've got a bioweapons story that takes place 
mostly in California. The bad guy makes Lance and, and Shadow Tear run around the Middle East and look for labs, right? Yeah. Because it's set in it's set in um uh two thousand um well now it's set in like two thousand ten, so it's just mm-hmm. before we get bin Laden. But the Pakistanis are trying to help ISIS and Al Qaeda look for yeah. weapons of mass destruction and all this kind of stuff. So I use I use real world stuff we know mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. then I apply things into the middle of it. But he actually hides his lab. He actually hides his lab in an old Titan missile silo. Oh wow! So, They're turning those into homes now. <laughs> I know. In this case, in, and people be surprised if they ever look it up how many there are. Oh, right, amazing. and they are dispersed because, like, the one, the one north, just north of Chico, California, right mm-hmm. where that big Paradise Fire was several years in California, but right north of there was part of the Beale Air Force Base, which is. Down by yep, Sacramento. Yeah. By Sacramento. SR-71. So, that's where the yeah, SR-71 based out of. Yeah. There you go. That's yeah. it. I was at Castle. With the bunny with the bunny on the tail. Yeah. My my uh, my dad was stationed at Castle, and my uncle was in the Air Force, too, and he worked on the SR-71. Oh, he, would okay. go to, he would go to work in one set of clothes and come back in another. <laughs> Couldn't figure that out. But um, <laughs> maybe he had a bar job or something. But it was interesting. So go yeah. ahead. I'm sorry. Continue. Yeah. So no, I incorporate technology all the time because I, I retired from cybersecurity. So I love technology. Yeah. Me too. I still get reports from DARPA to see what's going on with DARPA and mm-hmm. cutting edge technology, things like that. So the the that book that that book is in theory the fourth book in the series. The third book in the series, um. Lance, the, the Mexican military, the government sort of chased El Chapo out of mm-hmm. Mexico for a little bit. So Lance chases El Chapo to Cuba, where he's trying to go o- grow opium down in the southern mountains of Cuba. Uh-huh. And uh, hmm. so I'm like, yeah, I just pick all these wild spots, do fun I do things too. in my writing, <laughs> you know. I pick it too. I, I uh, The first book, I you know, the, the Toth, I created some... Because they say, okay, so they have to figure out what's what's going on with the Russian oil. But something's not right. Flare stacks, pumps not working. So this, they get this uh, technology that this satellite software can go ahead and say, okay, here's this diameter of pipeline based on the friction and the heat from that friction, which you can't even really tell. Okay, what's the velocity? What's the, what's what's in there? How fast is it going? Everything. They say, well, what they're saying and what's actual is not true. So something's going on. Or why does this flare stack have not the same burn or the heat than it would if it was burning off a, a methane versus it's, it's doing something else, right? Or it's like in World War II when uh, in Britain, when the United States put all these uh, blow-up tanks, right? right. They're just to de- a deception. And that's what the Russians are doing. They're deceiving the world on what's going on with their with their oil industry. Right. And the team has to go to Russia from the oil fields to the refining to the terminal to figure it out. And one way they figured out is where a ship gets loaded with oil, where's it sitting in the water? It's either too high or too low with what they have based on everything. So it's kind of, and I, I love looking stuff up. I, uh, my last uh, job, it was cybersecurity. But I have a technology background. When I got out of the army, I got I worked Microsoft, Semantic, and some other companies. Oh, okay. Um, 
but I, I I love technology. I love putting it in a book, but I like where it's believable. Of course. Yeah, like, well, they, yeah, okay, it's based on uh, Newton's second law of uh, physics. Oh, okay, well, that's interesting. <laughs> well, in in this second in this uh, second book here called Shadow Excellent. Sanction, um, the uh, um, it the president's like it's two thousand three, and the president's like you got to stop the opium, right? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, because because General Mattis, everybody else was like, no, we're here to do counterterrorism, the military, right? You probably have some friends that walk through poppy fields. I did, yeah. you know. Um, yeah. Anyway, so uh, the, the idea of using using lidar, for example, to see what's going on, right? Yes, you know, and and you could do a lot of things with lidar. I've seen things where 150 meters away from a checkpoint uh, with with a certain piece of equipment, I can tell how many heartbeats are in that van. That is not a van with produce in it, right? It's got a, oh, team, yeah. it's got a team yeah. of six in it. So yeah, there's a lot of that technology. I, I have to make sure because my first book I started in 98 and one of the hard parts was like, okay, we didn't have this. We didn't have a SIG 320, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> P320. You know, We didn't yeah. have this. We didn't have that. So I had to put it in 98. The second book here is in 2003. Third one, two thousand six. So I'm I'm getting closer to every day. What you and I we consider everyday technology, <laughs> yeah, yeah, but yeah, because I in my first book I throw in a device that was really really prototype, but I throw it on a guardrail airplane and right I I have uh, my one of my good guys sit in the back. Well, you technically you can't sit in the back of a guardrail. Uh, a guardrail intelligence collection. Mm-hmm. aircraft army aircraft it's full of gear there's no operator in the back it's right. just the pilots right but i change it up a little for the story you, you know, talk about so. the mohawk so well, yeah mohawk. side looking air radar yeah, yeah yeah okay now you're showing your age brother so yeah guardrail <laughs> is mohawk mohawk yeah. today right yeah. yeah king air king air full equipment sigan equipment and stuff like that so yeah i i love that I, once again i'm always making sure i'm in the right time mm-hmm. frame is it can it can it be a a viable prototype or is it something that's a little too you know I got to wait for the next book? You know? I, I used to uh, on the border uh, at the time we used uh, ground radar GSR teams yeah and they would always be up in these you know the hills or something you know but those guys were probably more of the spooky folks because they go out at you know hour two hours before nightfall and they would set up they'd be there all night and i, I went in there they, they they secured their area i mean they didn't play around and i'd go up there and, and look at the gsr next oh that's a track vehicle that's a wheel vehicle that's a person boom 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 i mean just on you know yeah it's amazing sig- but they know those signatures yeah exactly just like it's a sonar a, operator yes right. exactly that was yeah. amazing those guys uh so I, you know, shout out to the one hundred third MI battalion out of third ID. So uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, <were> spooky. <laughs> no, in the in the book I wrote, uh, just finished, um, where Lance is chasing um, uh, El Chapo in Cuba. He figures out where he's staying because El Chapo's a he he doesn't have his master of tunnels with him, right? Like mm-hmm. he does in Culiacan or Los oh, Montes yeah. and in Sinaloa, right? He, El Chapo loves to his light. He, he used to. He's now here yeah. in Colorado down the road. <laughs> he's not digging but, anything. <laughs> no, he's not digging anything out of that. This Florence Supermax. No, yeah. ABX. Um, oh, yeah. But um, 
I, I incorporated leaky coax. And most people don't know this is a physical security capability mm-hmm. where, where you put coax wire like you would use for your cable TV in the ground, but it's built to put out a signal. And then so anything crossing it over top mm-hmm. of it will set it off. Uh, that became an advancement into where you could use fiber optic. Mm-hmm. And actually put fiber optic in the ground and then sense what was around it from Humvee vehicle, person on foot. Right. Are they carrying yep. metal objects, all this kind of stuff? We used to put that stuff out. Little, I don't know what they were. They were kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. Some, some of the old stuff we called Stano. But the, the, um, so I incorporate that. And, and because of the time frame, it's like brand new. It's like what Lance is running around and these bad guys are all over him. <laughs> He's like, I got to quit. He realizes I got to quit jumping these ditches because I think something's there's, there's some <laughs> kind of connection. I'm getting shot at because I'm going to get zapped here in a second. <laughs> that's right. That's right. So uh, putting the technology in is fun. Yeah. Um, I've got with a with a series that's about El Chapo and I'm still just in 2010. I've got plenty of runway and then other characters, other things that go on with Los Zetas. And mm-hmm. so I've got plenty of of runway for additional books in the series excellent Um, and uh i have started a completely different series Mm -hmm. about um uh uh, a cia psychologist who's deaf wears a hearing implant who gets teamed up with a ground branch guy to to go get um a kidnapped vice president's daughter Interesting. So that whole series, yeah, that whole series has elements of military stuff in it, but yeah. it's really more spy. The, the The crux of the book is really about you. You know, you can overcome the, your stereotypes and, and the boxes people try and put you in, right? And um, as we know now, people who are uh, maybe handicapped or challenged in one aspect tend right. to super uh, flourish in another. In yeah, like like sight becomes yeah. really crazy good things like that. Um, so that's been that's been fun to write, and um, so yeah, I after since 2019, you know, I I spend a lot of time. I have a stand, uh, I have a desk that'll raise up. Uh-huh. So I've I've worn out a couple of those plastic sheets over the <laughs> carpet here, just like getting after and writing. You need to get one of those glass ones. The what's that? The uh... Oh, the thing of that thing. It's a glass uh, thing you stand on. There used to be a lot of commercials. Maybe they well, went a lot out of business. People, a lot of people tell me, oh, I need to get a treadmill. I'm like, no, I am not that coordinated. <laughs> I would be riding and then fall down. People who have blood walk, all over the computer. <laughs> oh, man. I'd, I'd have I'd have QWERTY on my forehead from slamming into the <laughs> keyboard, you know? I have uh, funny so. stories about people that fall asleep when they're uh, typing. And all you see is a b b b b b b b. What happened to this guy? <laughs> exactly, exactly. So crazy. Yeah. Well, excellent. Writing, excellent. writing has become a uh, just a a fun fun passion yeah. for me. Not to mention reading. Uh, we've yep. got so many great people in our genres, yep. right? And yep. uh, yeah. So I, I I used to travel all the time, and I would uh, I love I love uh, Kyle Klesler, right? Uh, so I'd pick up one of his books on a Monday or Sunday and then I'd fly and read it all week and pick up another one or uh, Dan Brown or, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Tom Clancy or I like, I like a lot of the books coming out, uh, personal experience type books and just, 
how can people overcome some of the things people have overcame are absolutely mind boggling. You know, the world, the Medal of Honor winners, and uh, you know, I don't know if winner is probably not the right word. Uh, recipients uh, yeah. is probably the best yeah. word. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's amazing. So what what do you uh, what do you do f- to market? <laughs> well, I've got um, I've got a company called. Um, <laughs> I can James Apt A B T has a company called B T Designs mm-hmm. Best Thriller Designs. Um, so he helps me with social media. Uh, he he took my took my um, as much as of a cybersecurity guy I am and an insider threat guy. Yeah. I, yeah. I am not much of a web guy, so he took my really <laughs> sad attempt at, yeah. at, at, at website development and, and really spruced up my website and stuff. So uh, the nice you do thing have about a great him, website. You do have a great you. website. Thank you. That's yeah. that's that's James. He um uh he gives me a worksheet once a month, and there's like five things: something about Steve, top five things, a quote, mm-hmm. uh, stuff like that. And I fill out this worksheet and he uses it throughout the month. And then, you know, uh, the other day I made my, <laughs> I'm messing around with Instagram. So the other day I made my first Caesar salad dressing and ooh, I was excited. Pretty darn tasty. Um, you know, so I'm. There's some simple things in life that make you happy. I mean, that's what yeah. gets yeah. you going. <laughs> I need a, I need a, I need one more picture because I like put a red dot on top of my sig piece 365 and so i still remember how to do a little bit of gunsmithing and stuff like that so they say um, don't mess with my dressing that's right next to it <laughs> exactly that's it that's what i should do is put the two together don't mess with my dressing um so yeah it's it's it is tough i mean i've been watching so eric bishop who you just recently had on mm-hmm. Amadeir, they're both friends of mine uh, yep. you know i've learned a lot with them and uh, some of the things they're doing, especially Eric. So Eric and I sh- share the same publisher, and uh, so uh, that that process is coming to an end. And we'll, uh, you know, so I've been watching that, the idea of self-publishing and stuff like that. So uh, you know, mm-hmm. I got, to, I, I understood early on, you know, being because I'd been a product manager and you know what that means yep. and so yep. i've been involved in product marketing and doing the brochures that people pick up about this switch or this software or that kind yep. of thing yep. um so i've been involved in that and and it's funny because my a lot of my writing skills had come from writing proposals to the government so you know switching that over to writing a book you know was a bunch a of acronyms <laughs> oh yeah going going from acronym heavens and fold outs and yeah uh, but I, I at least i know new present tense when i got to writing but i i knew that marketing and the different types of marketing right there's the marketing general marketing um to just get your name out there and yeah. It doesn't have a high click-through rate. It's not going to sell you a lot of books, but it's about getting your name out there, mm-hmm. coming on your show, other podcasts, um, having having a a newsletter, you know, and mm-hmm. and getting to, you know it's 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 amazing in this digital age how important a, a newsletter still is, right? Yeah. Uh, for for growing your audience, okay. And then I'm in an ITW critique group and. 
one of the people in the group, Tracy Abrahamson's got like 16, 17 books. And she's like, mm-hmm. you need to be on Instagram and grow that. I'm like, yeah, roger that. Okay. I'll go over here and muck about. <laughs> okay. Let me, uh, let me, <laughs> I, yeah, I do that. I, I ask my son or daughter, I go, uh, yeah, well, TikTok no, get, too, right? All right. I am not. I'm not below getting the the for dummies books. I have oh. a selection of for dummy books. I'm I'm like, okay, give me the shortcut. You know, I think I could be the poster boy for that. Hey, there's Travis. <laughs> what the hell? So, but so I, I'd have to comment on something you said yeah. that I think is very important. That when I started, I only I've only been writing about a year and a half. Oh wow! Um, but here's what I, here's what I found out that I think is very important. Amongst all the authors, right, it is not a competition at all, right? We're not competing just to take your reader because there, people will read more than one book. So what, what I think is so important is a new writer, when you, when you want to write, connect with people, right, that write same genre, whatever it is you, or anybody, writers, to build a personal community that you can like meeting you, but just talking to you here, right? I don't, we just met um, Eric and, and a damn yesterday. I just met him. Right. But the man, the, what you can get, because we're not out to take, we're not, out, there's no competition, right? I'm, I'm not out to take your readers. So I think that's important is when you start out writing, get on Twitter, get on social media, whatever suits your fancy. And just connect with people. Say, hey, do you got five minutes? And guaranteed, I would even assume Jack Carr has got five minutes. He Especially did. He, he when did you talked me. about with veterans, right? When your veterans want to help other veterans um, or whatever, go out and reach out to these people and these authors and just build, start building a relationship. Put that keystone in the ground and build that relationship. 100%. You, I, I couldn't agree more. Um, you know, I, I had, to be honest, as, as fearless as I think I am most of the time, <laughs> yeah. I had, you know, I, I love jumping out of airplanes and doing crazy stuff. But, you know, it's like, ooh, you know, talk to Brad Thor or Mark Greeny. And, exactly. And Mark, you know, and they are, they are happy to help. I mean, Mark Greeny didn't write me a blurb, but when my second book published on the 30th, he was like, hey, check out Steve's book, you know, and because it isn't, like you say, a competition, the, the competition is to become, is with yourself to become a better mm. writer yes. and to grow, like you say, most people will read four or five, six books a year, yeah. right? And there's hundreds of millions of readers and there's local writing groups and there's local conferences. Like mm-hmm. we have a conference like Rocky mountain fiction writers. There's the Boulder, there's the Northern Colorado, right. there's the Wyoming, you know, Northern New Mexico, all mm-hmm. these, all these Utah, all these writers conferences I could go to. Uh, ITW as a thriller writer has been really great mm-hmm. meeting people, uh, going to the conferences and stuff like that. So yeah, it is critical. You might feel like you want to just sit and write, but and that's you know you're not Stephen King. <laughs> you know? Yeah, you're not, yeah, yeah. You're not uh, you know Mrs. Hogwarts. I forget her name. Yeah. I apologize, Mrs. Hogwarts. You know, but uh, so you got to get out and build. Rawlings, and J- J.K. J.K. Rawlings, Rawlings, yeah, yeah. 
And it is actually, it will accelerate your understanding and knowledge of mm. the genre where you're writing, you're learning and stuff like that. So very valuable advice. I'm yeah, when I reached out to uh, Kyle, Kyle Mills, I was like, uh, no, my podcast is, you know, nothing. Yeah. Uh, the only reason I started a podcast is I didn't know what I was doing. So why not talk to people who know what they're doing? <laughs> um, so I reached out to him. He said, oh, you got to go through uh, David, who's, uh, you know, the the publisher. And he goes like, yeah. I'm like, yeah, like, really? <laughs> Don't be messing with me. I'm a train killer. No. <laughs> the, the, the bus, the bus is a good guy, man. Yeah. 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 So I got, it was great meeting him and talking to him and everything. But again, uh, my, and I, and my next book, I'm going to reach out to you and other people. Hey, a blurb, right? Something in the in the cover or whatever, right? Would, I'm also happy to read other people's books, yeah, right? I and am too. Not, not only to blurb, but like, you know, I was lucky enough to be part of the team that Eric trusts with Ransom Daughter yeah. early on, and so I gave him some feedback. You know, Ama gave him some more feedback about yeah. the interrogation scene. Yeah. Um, because, oh yeah, like, she read know. a scene out of her book, and I was like, man, I, I was like, uh, I feel like I'm there. I mean, it was you know, metallic taste. And I was like, man, that I remember those days, right? Uh, kind of crazy. Oh yeah. 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 Exactly. Right. And, and, and so, yeah, we just continue to learn for it. I don't ever have a conversation where I'm not learning something, uh, other than if it's Hey, to say, Hey, how you doing? You know, right. Right. Did, did you get out? Did you get over the flu or something? But yeah, uh, yeah, that was great. Oh, it, Steve, it has been fantastic to meet you. Thank uh, you very much. And, uh, I learned a ton. I think you're a great conversation. I'm going to send you a couple books. Uh, we'll trade. That's I it. look forward to staying in contact. Uh, wish you the best success. Thank you. Uh, and I think your uh, wife is going to like uh, Mary, uh, the CIA squared. <laughs> I'm sure she will. I'm sure she will. I have a character in my in my Shadow Tear books uh, uh-huh. uh, named Ellie. And uh, like Ama, uh, El- Ellie Anderson. I mean, that's like my grandmother's name, uh, but I've got an Ellie and I'm married to an Ellie. So you know where that comes from. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you very much. Uh, and I appreciate it. I look forward to your uh, next uh, book, the next series maybe coming out. So it was outstanding. Yeah. Thank, thank you, you very much. Yes, sir. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Author Eke. There'll be another episode next week. Please stop by and Start your own story. We can't wait to hear it.